Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As so far true. as goals go, we have one. Putting a ring on our finger. Yeah! Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Beck. Today is February 20. I got an alarm going off. February 25th, 2020. Man, is that statement he just said so true, so true. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of talk about, Bruce Arians said the other day that the the Super Bowl team is done. Next year is a new team. He said that the other day. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, what's that mean? And everything. I'm like, dude, we've been, it's in that opening of our podcast. Do people not listen to what he says? I mean, that's one of his things mm-hmm. every year. It's a new team every year. Every year you got a new team. I mean, in the NFL, across the NFL, 30% of the players churn, you know, in every team. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. On average, it's about 30%. Hopefully we won't have that this year. But we're going to discuss a little bit of that today. Got a good podcast for you. Molly's carrying this one. We discussed this, so it's not going to look like we're having a divorce this time. <laughs> Marriage issues. <laughs> Marriage issues. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to discuss uh, the, the year in review, basically. Molly's been working her butt off on this, so it better be good. I know nothing about what she's got. All I know is she's been on the computer every day for a week. How long did we take this break? It's I was just shopping. <laughs> well, this, I know this is true because your birthday is coming up. You've been sending me links. Mm-hmm. Ah, women. It's true. You got to get on it. Yeah. The next so, thing. Uh, yeah. All right. So I thought that we would go through the 2020 roster uh, and we'd talk about how each unit performed and how we thought they were going to perform and how they actually performed. And what we kind of hope to see or expect to see next year. All right. All right. You ready Sounds to like get a plan. to it? Yeah. We, do, we, do, we don't have any fact checks or follow-ups? No. And we are batting a thousand again, man. I tell you, <laughs> this, is, this is how I like it. Let's just not check ourselves and then we can say yeah. every time that we don't. Well, I like the strategy. <laughs> We're so smart. <laughs> Okay, so I thought we would start with the men in the middle, in the trenches. Let's start with the offensive line. So for our roster, we had, of course, at left tackle Donovan Smith, backed up by Josh Wells. At left guard, we had Ali Marpet, backed up by John Mulchin, Mulkin whatever his name is, center Ryan Jensen. You're going to get bad emails for that one. Oh, probably. Pronounce some names right. I know. Uh, backed up by A.Q. Shipley. Now, of course, we'll talk about what happened to him. And then D- Donnell Stanley, who I'd never heard of, but he was on our depth chart. <laughs> and then right guard Alex Kappa, backed up by none other than Aaron Stinney and Nick Leverett. And then, of course, at right tackle, we had Tristan Wirfs and Joe Haig. Now, going into this season, Ralph's prediction was that this was going to be a top five offensive line in front Mm -hmm. of Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. And a large part of that was Tom Brady Mm -hmm. was your prediction. You are correct, sir. Well. How'd that work out? How'd that work out? 
pro, uh, your favorite pro football focus has our line ranked number five but i want to go through some stats that says they're better than that we were second in sacks allowed percentage with 3.4 percent pittsburgh was first at 2.1 percent which is just outrageous especially for ben roethlisberger who is kind of a scrambler like Jameis. I think he's kind of calmed that down a mm -hmm. little bit in his old age. But <laughs> He's uh, <laughs> creaking around back there. He can't run a whole lot. I know. He's broken like every... Although for him, like broken bones never seem to affect him. He was just taping it up and going back out there. You got to respect him for that. Just rub in, some dirt on it. Yeah, exactly. In this statistic, we were 17th in 2019. We had... Uh, the sack percentage was 6.9%. And this year we halved it with 3.4%. Just mm. outrageous. Now, does this include the playoffs or just regular season? No, it's just regular season. Okay. The Rams last year were number one with 3.4%. So that's what we were this year. So, mm. you know, top two offensive line, guys in that regard we were fourth in the number of sacks allowed so we allowed 22 total behind pittsburgh green bay and indian indianapolis in 2019 we were 22nd do you want to guess how many we had do you remember uh 35 40 44 47 47 uh, so we had half the number less or more than half the number of sacks that's crazy. So we had 22 this year. And we were third in sack yards. So we lost 150 yards. That was right behind Pittsburgh in Indianapolis in 2019. We were 17th overall in this statistic with 282 yards. So a good 130 yards less this year in sack yardage. Which, you know, how much of that was James Winston scrambling and trying to get out of the sack mm, oh a lot know, of it and you, yeah half of it at least. all of it probably <laughs> we were not better as far as pocket time goes this is crazy you know time to throw mm. uh in 2019 james winston had two and a half seconds in 2020 tom brady had 2.4 seconds so it's only a tenth of a second difference mm -hmm. they were marginally better this year but I mean, is that even statistically significant? I don't think so. And then pressure percentage in 2019, it was 22.9%. And then in 2020, it was 17.8%. Hmm. So that's, you know, 5%. But how much of that is Jameis Winston was holding the ball and it allowed the defenders to come and get him? Mm-hmm. And and pressure is everybody knows my view on stats. You know, a lot of this stuff is completely subjective. You know, like a pressure. What what exactly is a pressure? Yeah. You know, like Tom Brady is excellent at when he feels pressure, he knows he's getting pressure, or if he is getting pressure, he throws the ball. Mm -hmm. And is that considered a pressure? You know, if he, you know, if he sees a guy coming loose and he throws it before the guy gets to him, is that considered a pressure? You know, right. it's. it's it's very difficult to understand these stats. I really wish that like pro football focus and all these guys that compile stats would link to what they call a pressure. You know, like if they say, okay, it's 56 pressures, you know, throughout the year, here's all the times we counted a pressure. Here's the exact play it happened on. So you could go back and look and go, yeah, I wouldn't count that a pressure or 
How come they didn't count this a private blah, blah, blah. Or so. you get an idea how they're defining it right? in particular. Yes. Yeah, I mean, do you have to be within a certain distance of the quarterback to get a pressure? If there's a guy between you and the quarterback, is that considered a pressure? If you're reaching out and you get close, you know, it's just so much subjectivity there. That's why staffs can't tell you everything. No, just the two. Or they're not, you know, as clear. They don't so let's go over some clarity. more stats to prove how awesome I we know. Were. Well, the the other thing I want to go over is so that most of that is passing related. I want to go over the rushing statistics because we didn't improve that much this year as far as that goes. So in uh, 2020, we actually did worse. We were 29th overall in rush yards with 1,519. And then in 2020, we were fourth overall with 1,521. So, I mean, we did have two less yards, rush yards this year, but compared to the rest of the league, it was... total yards rushing? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, The... A lot of that was Jameis, or maybe not a lot of it, but probably a couple hundred yards. Oh, last year, probably. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, Although, this year, we did improve in our rush yards per per attempt. Mm -hmm. So, we had 369 attempts, average 4.1 yard per attempt, whereas last year was 3.7 yards. That's a big difference. Yeah. Half a yard. So, uh, So... we average more. Let me get this straight. So we ran about this. No, we ran less play, less, less running plays. Yeah. This so year. so in we had three hundred and sixty nine attempts this year. God. Last year we had four hundred nine. So that's <laughs> like a 40, 40 attempt difference. <laughs> oh my gosh! What, Why you know, bother? I mean, <laughs> what? How many is that per game? You figure there's what about an average of sixty offensive plays a game, right? Would you say three hundred sixty nine? Yeah, three hundred sixty nine divided by sixteen, twenty three. So twenty three attempts a a game. A third run. Yeah. Two thirds pass. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, it actually does for (laughs) us. I tell you, man, Aaron's Aaron's just is not a big fan of running the ball. (laughs) Like, In theory, he likes that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it worked. <laughs> so, I know, whatever. I'm it, not. You know, the, if it didn't work, everyone would be complaining. But we won the oh, Super Bowl, so right. nobody gives a shit. Right, exactly. Now, you know, this is a quarterback's league. Passing is dominant. You know, the run game. You look across the league. How many? I mean, Tennessee is about the only team I look at and I go, that's ah, a running team. You know, it's just not a, you don't anymore. You, you don't even have workhorse running backs. You know, you you got all these rotations and by committees and mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, running is just an afterthought anymore. Well, and, you know, I don't know if these power backs are just so few and far between at this point. Like, they come from the colleges. So what are the colleges doing as far as the yeah. run game goes? Yeah. But I don't know. Offense seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We don't watch college football. So. I know. I know. Just speculating there. Anybody that watches college football out there, let us know. What are they running in college now? Yeah. What is what it we're going to see in the NFL in a couple of years? Yeah, no kidding. And I want to talk about the um, penalties that the offensive linemen got this year because, you know, it's one measure of them. And 
to me, I don't care. I don't really care about penalties. You know, this year it wasn't really an issue. I think like the first Saints game, it was kind of an issue or the mm-hmm. se- you know, it felt like it was a storyline earlier in the mm-hmm. season. I can't remember. Yeah, it was when. like week five or something. We had like 15 penalties and everybody. Yeah, everyone was losing their dang mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it, I mean, there's a stark difference between our offensive linemen. So Donovan had the most. He had 10 penalties this season, five holdings, and three false starts. That's a lot of penalties. Yeah, that's what I thought too. It, did, but it didn't seem that much though. Did I it? know, but he had 10 total. So I don't know what the other two were. Hmm. Um, and he had one that was declined or offset. So, and he was the next closest was Jensen with four. He only oh. had one holding. <laughs> the foul. rest were personal fouls. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, know I, it. I don't I care never, at all. I never get upset about personal fouls. I don't either. I don't know I what it is. Get, it's even like the Mike Evans when he got ejected and oh. then suspended for the hit on Marshawn Lattimore. Did he get ejected that game? I think so, yeah. If he didn't, he should have. <laughs> I know. When he went but yeah, and hit I was Mar- rude. I was I didn't care. I was like, like yes. everyone was like, oh, it's a stupid penalty by Mike. No, like, no. I don't no. care. I don't care. Mm-mm. You can't You can't let people do that to your quarterback. Yeah. The only time I got upset about Jensen's personal foul penalties this year was when he got called for it against, mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was, but they said he headbutted the guy. And yeah. on film, you can see he did really. I mean, he did, but he just kind of walked up to him and bumped helmets. It wasn't like he. Oh, that's so, so I thought that was kind of weak. I thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, Tristan Wirfs also had four penalties, but his was divided between holding and false start. So no personal fouls for him, which sounds about right. Allie had three total. He had two holdings and a false start. Kappa had one. It was a holding all year. That is incredible to that me. That is incredible. Yeah. You go through a whole season with one penalty. Yeah. I, I think it Impressive. just goes to show how disciplined some of the guys are. <laughs> um, he did have one that was declined or offset. And then Joe Haig, he had a holding. And Aaron Stinney had a false start. So those guys didn't play much, and they had as many as Kappa, who played a whole season. Mm-hmm. Which was just crazy. I, I can say that about our offensive line. You know, when I watch the game film, it's it's almost every time, I would say 90% of the time, if not more, it, the other team holds more than our team does. You know, we, our offensive line is very disciplined. You know, we don't we don't use a lot of holding techniques like uh, some teams do. We don't have to because we're just so badass. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to cheat. I know, right? <laughs> New Orleans. <clears throat> mm-hmm. We have three offensive linemen that are free agents this year, and thank God they're just the backups, mm-hmm. which, frankly, I think we could use uh, some upgrades there. Joe Haig is an unrestricted free agent. Josh Wells is as well. And Aaron Stinney is an exclusive rights free agent. So I would like to see Stinney back. I was really impressed with how he did Mm. behind Kappa. I thought he did pretty well considering. Mm. But Josh Wells, mm, I don't know about all that. And then Joe Haig, I'm still bitter. He dropped that touchdown in the end zone. So (laughs) it wasn't his fault. He didn't drop (laughs) it. It got knocked out of his head. Come on, it hit him in the face. 
Yeah, and he had it, and he was bringing it down. And when 53 popped it out, uh, A.Q. Shipley's also free agent. I know, but his career's over. He's on our coaching staff. Oh, that's right. Remember? That was one of my – I have some storylines. So the injuries, I think, were some of the bigger storylines of the offensive linemen. A.Q. Shipley being the number one and his career-ending neck injury against the Rams. But it, it didn't occur during the Rams. It was just kind of this lingering issue that reared back up during that game. And this was when he was playing at center. Ryan Jensen had moved to right guard to fill in for Allie because Allie was out with a concussion. So Allie missed those three games. Week 9 through 11 because of the concussion suffered during the Giants game. And then Donovan also missed week 15 against Atlanta. Yeah, 15. Uh, because he was on the COVID list. So he missed one game. He didn't actually miss any. for in- Remember we were like... Uh, he had the ankle injury, and when mm-hmm. I saw that he had missed the game, I was like, oh, that's it, but it was way later in the season. I think the Kansas City game was the game where he had the ankle injury. Yeah, week 12. He got it week 11, but yeah, week 12, he was doubtful to play and then was only going to play half a game and then fought through it through the whole game. So he still played. He is an Iron Man. I know. I know. And I have so much greater appreciation for him, I think, after this year because you got a sense – you know, Tom Brady made a lot of these guys look good, but then you kind of get an appreciation for how hard Jameis might have made it on them at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the guys, especially Donovan, took the brunt of that, I think. Yeah. I do want to say we got to talk about Tristan Wirfs. At the beginning of the season, I was not, uh, not that I wasn't thrilled with him. I didn't know anything about him. And so it was hard, and especially with an offensive lineman coming from college where they don't necessarily do a lot of complex blocking scheme. You know, it's basically a body in the way. I wasn't certain how well Tristan was going to do coming in. And, you know, week one, we were like, we don't even know if he's going to start. Like, is Joe Hay going to go? And then... You know, kind of let Tristan get his footing. But, oh, my gosh, he has been a complete stud. Mm-hmm. The Jason Light just knocked it out of the park with this draft. And, you know, there's that lineman in Tennessee that they drafted in the first round last year. And he's quitting. I mean, he's not going to play. You know, he's had, I forget his name, Jonah Williams, I want to say. I can't remember for sure. Y'all fact check me. But they drafted him in the first round, and he, I guess, showed up for camp out of shape, and he had some off-the-field issues. And I think the GM was like, you know, he's going to decide if he wants to play for us. And he went um, on Instagram and made a post and said, I'm not a Titan anymore. So I'm just thankful that we don't have, you know, they really sussed out the character issues and Tristan has just been such a blessing, I think for the offensive line. Like he's just stepped in and, you know, I hate to say it. We didn't even miss DeMar Dotson. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was sad to see him leave. Uh, you know, it was kind of about time for him, I guess, but, uh, you know, what worth stepped in and did a great job. Um, you know, the, the, the only knock I would have on Werfs 
is I'd like to see him be more aggressive. He's he's too nice out there. Oh my gosh, stop! <laughs> but but you know, I mean, he, you know, it's not like he's uh, uh, it's a bad quality for him. It's just you know, I like the I like the tough guys. So. I know, but it's not he's not giving up huge plays because he's too nice. Right. Like between the whistle, he's playing. Yeah. And. But, I mean, yeah. he could he could really manhandle some guys and knock them on the ground and stuff, but he doesn't. You know, he he, play, he plays almost gentlemanly. You know? <laughs> He's like a gentle giant. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the impression he get. <laughs> he knows his own strength. Marshall Newhouse, was that who? I, I got to look it up. I should have looked it up before I started running my mouth, yeah. honestly. We'll fact check that one. And I might even be conflating two different stories. I don't know. Good, good possibility. I know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this about the offensive line. So everybody's coming back. Uh, they asked Jason Light and BA about Jensen and Donovan because both of their contracts, all their guaranteed money has been paid. And so mm-hmm. we could cut them theoretically to make cap space. Jason Light said we're not interested in that. Good. We want both of them to come back. Heck yeah. I know. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, exactly. leave it alone. Exactly. Leave Especially alone. Jensen, man. There ain't no way we're getting rid of him. I, well, and Donovan, too, you know, I mean, we were of that mind as well. Like, yeah. when he got that contract, we were like, he did not earn that contract. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And so it was frustrating for us, especially when we had to cut guys because we had to pay Donovan. And he kind of had the team over the barrel. He played to his contract the first year. Was that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What year? I guess that was 2019. Yeah, okay. So yeah. he's on the last year of a three-year contract. Well, yeah. it, it's a guaranteed money. Right, right. Time. But yeah. that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it was a three-year contract. This is going to be the third year, 2021. Mm-hmm. So he'll be a free agent. At that's the all he got was season. a three-year contract? Yeah, it was okay. like $27 million. Um. No, it must have been 27 guaranteed. But, you know, at the time we were like, he did not earn this. Here's the problem, though. Like, we had no other options. He had us over a barrel. Mm-hmm. And it really made you appreciate how hard it is to find good offensive linemen, especially in free agency, reliable guys who are going to show up. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'd say he earned his contract at this point. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we won a Super Bowl. Everybody earned their contract. I know, exactly. <laughs> and I think you could maybe upgrade, but it's going to be a crapshoot. Yeah, no, no, there was, no. There's no sense in taking a chance. I know. If thing worked I, fine, hey, mm-hmm. that's, good. Mm-hmm. that's good. That's how I feel, too. Yeah. It's just not worth the risk. To... Mm-hmm. Like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. Yep. All right, let's move on to our running backs. This one's going to be a fun conversation. So let me go over the roster real quick. We had, of course, Ronald Jones. Behind him was Keyshawn Vaughn, Kenyon Barner, and CJ Proces. I know I'm saying that wrong. And then on the other side, we got Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, and TJ Logan. I had no idea we had seven running backs on our roster. I think CJ is practice squad. Or was practice squad. Kenyon Barner, he kind of went back and forth between all the practice squad. Yeah, most of these guys were not active on Sundays for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. And TJ Logan ended up on IR. Remember, he, I forget what happened. Didn't he break his leg or something? It was like a serious injury. Mm-hmm. I cannot remember. But this year, we've got half of them are free agents. So we have Leonard Fournette, who is here on a one year deal as an unrestricted free agent. LaShawn McCoy is a free agent, Kenyon Barner, and TJ Logan. Now, LaShawn McCoy, I thought was a great veteran presence, even though he didn't see a lot of playing time. I thought he had a positive impact on the room. Hmm. He went on Pat McAfee. McAfee. God, I really got to figure out how to say that. You know, I'll even listen to the show where he like introduces himself. And every time I just like space out, I don't even listen to it. But he said on Pat's show that he, you know, wasn't really sure what he's going to do as far as next year. I think it's he's kind of waiting to see what the Bucks have to say if the Bucks want him back. And if not, he's going to retire. But it sounded to me like he wasn't really interested in uh, going to another team. Hmm. So he did say he doesn't really have like a home base. I mean, he has houses like I think he has one in Philly. Yeah. Um, You know, he's got houses where he's played, but he's like, "Ah, you know, I might build my dream home. So we'll see what he does, uh, whether the Bucks want him back or not. I do want to go through some of our stats on the guys so we can kind of see how they measured up. The Bucks certainly favored Ronald Jones in this regard. So he had 978 rush yards on 192 attempts. So he was averaging 5.1 yards a carry. Sweet. Yeah. So I was really happy. I thought that he, well, that one ninety-seven yard run didn't yeah, hurt. Yeah, that helps. Ninety-eight actually. 98. Give him that extra extra uh, yard. He well, was only eighteen yards away from a thousand yards. Ah, that uh, hurts me. Twenty-two. It was twenty-two yards. Twenty-two. It's sad. Okay. I know. It's math. He only started thirteen games. He played in fourteen. So he had injury, you know, he almost got to a thousand yards only playing 14 games. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 But and then he had 42 receptions. Wait. Oh, no, he had 42 targets. He only caught 28 and had 165 yards that way. He averaged 5.9 yards per reception. That was the worst in the room. So he had a catch percentage of 66.7. Our best was Shady McCoy. Now, he only had 19 targets compared to Rojo's 42, so he had half the targets. But he caught 15 of 19 and had 101 yards. And he was averaging, he had a 78.9 yard percent, no, 78.9 percent catch percentage. So he was our best pass catcher. Leonard Fournette was right behind him with 76.6%. So, but um, Leonard only had rush yards. He only had 3.8 yards per attempt. So it was a good one-two punch, I thought, where, you know, Leonard Fournette had most of the receptions and the targets. He had 36 um, 
receptions and 47 targets. So he was catching 76.6% of them, but he was only averaging 3.8 yards per attempt rushing. And then Rojo had 5.1 yards per attempt and almost, yeah, well, and he was averaging the least yards per reception. Hmm. And then Keyshawn Vaughn is another one I want to talk about. He had 100 yards, 26 attempts, and he was our lowest um, uh, receiving catch percentage at 50%. He only caught half of them. Yeah, yeah. He dropped quite a few. I know, and they were kind of infuriating when he didn't do <laughs> So, but I do. But like, if you remember, Ronald Jones was the same way in his first year. So. Yeah, and I like to. I would have liked to have seen more of Keyshawn. Uh, he only got twenty six attempts. He's a young guy. I think he probably could have benefited from a preseason, which he didn't get. And then you know the room was so crowded, just even between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, hmm. that. He didn't have much hope of getting a ton of snaps. Yeah. The what do you think about Leonard Fournette? Do we bring him back? Uh, I would like to. Yeah. yeah. If it's up to me, I'd bring everybody back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know. There's nobody, even Josh Wells and and uh, <laughs> Joe Haig. You know. They broke. Don't fix that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know they're Buccaneers. I, you know, just mm-hmm. I hate to see anybody leave. Uh, well, I guess at least outwardly. Yeah. Yeah. But it, on on this team, I could definitely say there's nobody I really want to see gone. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I think he did a really fantastic job with helping out Ronald Jones. I know you talked about LaShawn McCoy as being a great presence in the locker room. I think Leonard Fournette was an outstanding presence as well. You know, he, he changed Ronald Jones style of running. You know, he, Ronald Jones really mimicked Fournette more than he did anybody else, I thought. And it helped him. You know, just being able to, to to run where you're supposed to run, being able to pick up on the cues and seeing, you know, Fournette was just fantastic at that. He was just so good at going where he was supposed to go and following his blockers and all that good stuff. And, you know, we've had a problem with that in our running back room forever. You know, these guys wanting to bounce out and find their own holes. Now, you, th- there is a time to do that, but, you know, generally these, these plays are designed to go a certain way, and a lot of the running backs get impatient, and Ronald Jones was one of those. And they had a habit, him and Peyton Barber had a habit of running right into people. It was mm-hmm. so annoying. And Leonard Fournette, a lot of people thought, and I thought this too before I, I watched him on film, was that, you know, he was a bruising back, that he was a power back. But, he, you know, he's far from it. You know, very light on his feet, great at picking his lanes and his holes, and you know, just elite status as far as doing what he was supposed to do. And he had quite a few runs where he was like bouncing off guys too. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, where he'd kind of maneuver around, and I thought Ronald Jones did a lot more of that this year, mm-hmm. also. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job in that in the playoffs, uh, Super Bowl. There was a couple mm-hmm. where. You know, everything was clogged up, and they just bounce and spin, and next thing you know, they're on the outside edge running down the field. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think Leonard Fournette did a great job, and he did a really good job with his attitude. You know, he had a bad attitude in Jacksonville, and then he comes here, and, you know, I mean, we deactivated him for some games. Mm-hmm. You know, so he wasn't the star, and, uh, 
you know, I was worried he, he was going to snap and be like, eh, you know, send me somewhere else. Well, he apparently had a shitty attitude and was upset about his role with the team. And B.A. told him, either got to change your attitude or and accept your place on the team or you need to ask to be released. And it was at that point, I think, that he kind of got a wake-up call, adjusted his attitude, and really he and Ronald Jones turned into a great one-two punch. Hmm. Uh, so, oh, man, I had a question there. The, <laughs> oh, why do they call him Playoff Lenny? I don't know. He was going off in the playoffs. But they were calling him that before we went to the playoffs. Oh, or I don't when know. we were going to the playoffs. It's like he performed well with Jacksonville in the playoffs, I guess. I don't know. Did I, they I never make it to the playoffs that. when he was there? Yeah, his first year. Okay. I don't know. He does seem to have a really great rapport with everyone on the team. Uh-huh. Like, if you watch the videos from right after the Super Bowl and the boat parade, he's in all of them. And, you know, they're all yucking it up. And I don't know. He just seemed to be a good locker room guy. I love seeing stuff like that. You know, I do, too. It, it, it's a lot of times it, it means nothing and you can't really tell a lot. It's kind of like watching the guys on the sideline. You know, I love getting shots of guys on the sideline, see who's hanging out with who and, you know, what kind of body language they got and all that good stuff. And it's like, uh, all Claire and those guys, the tight end room, they're real tight. Uh, Cameron Brait and all Claire and, uh, Adam Humphreys used to hang out a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember them at the, oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher this too. So I'm, um, the Tampa people, please don't hate me. The Gasparilla, the big parade that they have where everyone dresses up like pirates. Yes. Yeah, There's pictures were all out from there that. Drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging all over each other with yeah. the whole, you're my, I love you, man. You're my best friend. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about the Titans too. That segue is great into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Cam Brait behind him, Anthony Auclair, and then Cody McElroy. And then on the other side, we've got Rob Gronkowski. What? Are you laughing at? Uh, just the other side. The other the side. Yeah. I don't know. We had like two tight ends listed on the depth chart. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, Tanner Hudson. And our free agents are Gronk, Anthony Auclair, and Tanner Hudson. But what I want to talk about most, this has pissed me off. I know what you're going to bring up. Okay. This has pissed me off. Like, for the past few years, it's upset me. The uh, trade Cambrate crowd mm-hmm. infuriate me. <laughs> Just infuriate And rightfully me. so. Because it is the stupidest. They're, you know, and the logic is that we have O.J. Howard and he's better, which... I'm not really sure that you can make that argument. No. I don't see how you can say that Mm-mm. when O.J. Howard's been in the league since 2017 and has never played a full season. He's I been know. in it four years? Yes. Holy crap. And we already exercised his fifth-year option. I don't understand. Dang. We must have done that. I don't know. Can you do that early? Can you do that in their third year? Because we did. And I'm like, why? I don't get it. Hmm. Now, I understand that the skill might be there or the potential might be there, but you're four years in. And yeah. Show, like Ren Dax says on Pewtercast. Or no, 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 no. It was not Ren. 
sorry, Ren. It was Brent who said, show me. Like, you tell me that he's great. Show me. Mm-hmm. Because he's just not. Yeah, I, you, nobody's great on the bench. No. And, he, you know, I just can't. He played four games in 2020 and started one. Now, he had two touchdowns, so there's that. Hmm. Cam Brayton had two touchdowns all season, so you can make that argument. But his catch percentage was 57.9% of his targets, whereas hmm. Cam Brayton's was 82.4% of his targets. Wow. Yes, he was the best of the tight ends in That's... that statistic for yeah, football. Yeah, Brayton has been rock solid ever since he's been here. You know, And just quietly... You know, dominating the tight end room every year. Uh, it, me and Molly talked about this the other night. If you ever watch that movie Moneyball, there's a scene where all the scouts and coaches and everybody are sitting around talking about uh, players to draft and free agents and all this, and they're discussing the players and what they they end up all basically talking about is how these players fit their stereotype of how they think a baseball player should be. You know, they'd be like, oh, well, this guy, you know, he's got the right size and he's got the right uh, height and he's, you know, uh, the right build and he looks like a baseball player. He's got the baseball player rugged good looks and he's got a good-looking wife and all this stuff. Things that have nothing to do with playing baseball. And I think that's kind of what has happened with O.J. Howard. I mean, he looks like a specimen. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he looks like he's – going to go out there and just dominate and you know he's got the speed he's got the measurables and all that good stuff so everybody is just like this guy you know is an awesome tight end but we just don't have any evidence of it and well i can't say any evidence i mean when he plays and he plays well he does play very well i i don't see it i think cutter he's average i thought cutter used him great i know but how many passes did he get intercepted you know how many of Jameis's interceptions, 30 interceptions were because of him? Like three that I can think of, two yeah. or three maybe. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah, and then I you got Cameron it. Braid on the other hand, who, well, he's from Harvard, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not. Played basketball. Yeah, he's not your prototypical football player, the looks or anything. And, you know, he's slow and kind of, you know, not, not big and strong. So, you know, people could just discount him because of that stuff. When when you put it all together and you, we've got the evidence of it, Cameron Braid is the best tight end in the room. Just, you know, I hate to say it. I mean, even like Gronkowski is great. He he really is. He 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 helped our blocking so much this year. He was he's just by far the best blocking tight end in the room. But uh, you know, I think when it comes down to even. If it's uh you know Cameron Brait Rob Gronkowski as far as catching goes I think Cameron Brait would probably win that one too don't know don't know and please talk about the blocking because I've seen on Twitter people say that OJ is our best blocking tight end no. this was pre Gronk pre Gronk and it it triggered me I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you no uh, I I think Brait would would have been the number one I'm, I'm not really sure i can't remember but i know i know it wasn't oj no and, uh, and it wasn't all clear uh, yeah our tight ends have not been good blockers especially it, not in, in ba system mm-mm. and in cutters they were used more in the passing game yeah. than they were blocking right 
What do you think about our free agents? Who do we resign? All of them. <laughs> Definitely Gronkowski if he'll come back. Yeah, hit, Spot Rack has his market value at eight and a half million. So like, ugh. Yeah. And then we're paying OJ. His cap hit is six million this year, and I think Cambry is similar. So, all uh, Claire and Gronkowski are the only ones up for. And Tanner Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> I love Tanner. I in, think he's gone. A, I just yeah. It, the the room's too deep. I mean, and he has done nothing on the field man. yeah nothing it's just it's so heartbreaking you know he had such a good preseason that one year and it was just like oh he's gonna be awesome and then every time he's gotten his chance he's bombed yeah so yeah I, i'm with you i don't think he's gonna come back either yeah i think he will not make the cut i know that they like anthony Auclair, especially on special teams and he's kind of more blocking tight end uh my complaint with him is he's always good for a holding call once every few games so you know i'm kind of take it or leave it but we will see what happens yeah i haven't been impressed by his blocking on special teams that's for sure yeah well he was out all this year maybe that's been the issue with special teams maybe he was out all year yeah he was on ir i forget what the injury was damn Okay, let's move on to our receiving core. So what are we doing, the whole offense, is that? Yeah, we're going to do the whole offense. I'm saving the quarterback for last. Okay, so so we've got Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Jaden Mickens, and Travis Johnson. And then on the other side, we've got Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Justin Watson, Josh Pearson, and Cyril Grayson. Our free agents, of course, are Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Jaden Mickens, which that's kind of a good sign that we've got, you know, this whole room and only three mm-hmm. free agents, although two of them are, are big ones. But I think that they're going to do their best to kind of figure it out. And, you know, from that press conference with B.A. and Jason Light yesterday, they sounded very confident that yeah. we were going to bring everybody back. Mm-hmm. So. Of course, they're at the parade. VA was snatching the microphone from everybody. <laughs> Your ass is coming back. You're coming back, yeah. My Greenberg was like, oh, God, stop, please. VA was so wasted, man. <laughs> everybody was. It was great. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, Chris Godwin, if, if it came down to Chris Godwin or Shaquille Barrett, I got to go with Shaquille Barrett. Mm. Uh if it comes down to the Domicon Sue or, or Chris Godwin, I got to go with Sue. Uh, I'd put Chris Godwin about third or fourth on the list of who we need to make sure we re-sign. I mean, I like Chris Godwin. He, I thought he had a horrible playoff run. You know, he dropped so many passes in the playoffs. It was so funny. It was the curse of the announcers. You know, was it Joe, Joe Buck, I think it was, that said that Tom Brady told him, him that Chris Godwin's had the best hands that he's ever oh, no. of any receiver he's played with. And it was like immediately Chris Godwin <laughs> started dropping the ball. And he put us into some bad situations. Well, you know, I would say this whole season is characterized by drops by the wide receiving core. Yeah. And 
Of course, this stat includes tight ends and running backs, but our we had 31 drops per fro, pro football reference. Good so that was 5.2%. And last year, we only had 23. It was 3.8%. So... Yeah, it's a lot. Right? Yeah. So one and a half percent difference. How, and many, how many did you say? 30? 31. 31. Mm-hmm. That's two a game. Yeah. So it feels like more. more than that. See, that <laughs> yeah. But still, I, I'm sure what they count are guys that the ball went right in their hands and they dropped it. Yeah. You know, I count balls that, you know, if you could Should reach I? it yeah. and you don't catch it, that's a drop in my book. So I counted about four a game. Yeah. I agree. Still, I mean, two a game. That's that's what these guys get paid millions of dollars. That's what they got to do. But uh, Chris Godwin, I love him to death, and you know he's 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 a great blocker. We use him a lot in the block in the running game, and uh, you know he's got he he made some great plays for us and everything. And but you know if there's a position that we can afford to lose people, it's wide receiver. Because you look at, I mean, even Antonio Brown, I'm like. You know, we could afford to lose him. We could afford to lose Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. I mean, we got behind them. We got Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Watson. I like him. Uh, Jade Mickens. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Cyril, Johnson. Cyril Grayson. Doink. Cyril. You know, Cyril. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, so we've got, you know, enough to make it, you know, when you got Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. You know, most teams would be happy to have one superstar on their wide receiver mm-hmm. core. And we can definitely get by with just one. It's it's nice to have all these weapons. But like you saw in the playoffs or in the uh, Super Bowl, Antonio Brown was the only one that got a touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I think that we could probably even get Antonio back um, on a discounted contract. Like, I don't know how many teams are going to take on that risk, even though mm-hmm. this year, I mean, he was only with us for half a season and had absolutely no hiccups behavior wise. Mm-hmm. But I'm not convinced that, you know, if right. I, if I'm a GM, I'm not completely convinced that he's straightened up and changed his ways. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Buccaneers, especially with the lore of Tom Brady specifically in Antio- Antonio Brown's case, I think that you could get him to take less money and come back. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, you know, and you got to let Chris Godwin walk, I think that's what you do. Yeah. I, I think we're going to put the tag on Chris Godwin. Yeah, probably. Uh, I think you know. so, too. And, you know, if Antonio Brown – I think a lot of these players – this is just speculation. I think a lot of these players are going to take less money than they could get in the open market or the free market mm-hmm. uh, because they want to stay here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great team, great guys, great coaching staff. They know they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're going to go back to the Super Bowl next year probably and win yeah. it. You know, so, I mean, that's – you know, it's not like Antonio Brown hasn't made enough money in his career. Oh, absolutely. It's not like Gronkowski hasn't made enough money in his career. You know, it's not like Sue hasn't made, you know, the, I mean, these guys are like, yeah, you know, I could take a million or two less a year to stick mm-hmm. with this team. Yeah. And other guys are already talking about a restructuring contracts. Mm-hmm, Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. There's rumblings. But you know he's going to do it because he did it with New England all the time. Yeah, all the time. But apparently there, you know, there's rumblings that he's going to extend his contract and another extension and then, uh, you know, lessen his cap hit this year. So mm-hmm. I'm all for it. 
keep him here as long as he wants to stay. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll roll him out there myself in a wheelchair. <laughs> You know, at 80 years old. Y'all will be ra- you racing your scooters out there. <laughs> he won't be drinking Gatorade in the bottle. Okay. He'll be drinking what, Metamucil. <laughs> I will say a bright spot on our wide receiving core was Mike Evans getting his seventh thousand yard season, mm. which was a record setting. Yeah. I, I really wish he would have got a catch in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he deserves it for if anybody does, but things just didn't work out. And I think he was a really good sport about oh, it, yeah. too, because they asked him in the postgame interview and he just didn't even care. It was like no. it was not even on his radar. Yeah. And you felt that way about everybody on the team. Nobody seemed like they were upset that they didn't get the kudos they felt they deserved mm-hmm. or the stats or whatever. Everybody was just like, my God, this is an awesome team. I love my guys. It does seem to be a real, real good bonding with this team. Yeah. And, and you know, winning always helps. It helps, (laughs) definitely. But a lot of these guys have been together for a long time, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that that helps. And, you know, even like Tom Brady and his guys, like the guys that he knows. And it seems like everyone meshed so well together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like we had a really great locker room this Mm -hmm. year. Yeah, fantastic locker room. You know, we didn't have the Jackson, Jameis Winston riffs. and mm, uh, That's true. I still want to find out what happened. Joe Bucks fan. I know, right? They know. But yeah, well, uh, you know, and Deshaun Jackson got released from the Eagles. He might not play anymore. You know, he's probably in the last the leg Saints. of his career. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be what great. Uh, what up? Well, apparently he came back to Tampa. His house in Tampa, which I like, I don't see that as an indication that he's coming back here. I mean, some people like speculate. I'm like, wouldn't you want to be in Tampa over like Philly (laughs) in December, January? Like, there's no way. Well, I'd rather be in Tampa than Philly any day of the year, but um, especially when it's 10 degrees, probably 15 degrees in Philly currently, Mm -hmm. I'd be coming back to Tampa too. All right, let's go over this. Is the last unit on the offense, the quarterback. So on our roster, we've got, of course, Tom Brady, and then who? Blaine, who, and then Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin. Both of our backups are free agents this year. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. What do you do there? You bring them back. Sure, why not? Bring everybody back. <laughs> everybody. Okay, I feel so bad because, you know, in the video of Tom Brady being all drunk, there's that big tall guy helping him. I totally thought that was one of his handlers, but that's Ryan Griffin. It <laughs> yeah. was Ryan Griffin. And he's, I was like... He's been on the team for like 50 years. We don't even know what he looks like. How awful is that? Yeah. But good on him for helping Tom. That was nice. Shielding <laughs> them from the media and stuff. <laughs> he didn't shield him well enough. That picture is really so much that you could do. Who was it that was wearing the the shirts of that? Was it the Lightning? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was some baseball people. It might have been the Rays. Got it printed on a shirt. They were all wearing. (laughs) Or no, it was the Boston. It was Boston. Oh, I think. Yeah, they were wearing orange shirts. Yeah, with that uh, picture of Tom Brady all (laughs) being carried out, basically. (laughs) 
Okay, drunk, drunk Tom Brady was like such a nice Tom Brady. Oh, like yeah. he was a happy, nice drunk. Like all the teammates, he was like, "Hey, you." <laughs> My favorite though is him throwing that trophy. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, I love it. I thought it was awesome. He, you know, he's got seven. Well, he doesn't have seven. Yeah, yeah. he's he's, seven. he's had seven in his hand. So it's like, eh, what's what's another one? I'll just throw this one across the river. Exactly. Okay, so. And I watched the the video from the guys that caught it. They weren't ready for it when he threw it. They were saying, hold on a second, hold on a second. And he just chunked it. And they were like, ah. It was Cam Brait that caught it. That was Cam. There you go. I thought it was Gronk. No, it was Cam Brait. I know. It was Gronk's boat, right? Yeah, I think so. So. See, this goes to show, if that would have been O.J. Howard, it probably wouldn't have written a river. It would have, would have been intercepted, <laughs> probably, <laughs> by a gator. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So there's some Jameis stands on Twitter who were saying that we downgraded at quarterback, which I'm absolutely certain they are in the minority as far as Bucks Wait, fans go. Are they saying that now? Yes. Yeah. After Post-Super Bowl. I know. There's always some idiot, you know? Always. There's always somebody that's going to take the opposite stand of everything. Always. So Logic be damned. I want to talk about how Tom Brady in 2020 stacked up to Jameis Winston. Now, this is in no way to disparage Jameis. As many of you know who have been with us, at least through the 2019 season, we constantly defended Jameis, and I even wanted to bring Jameis back in 2020. Yep, and I saw, but I said, I said, uh, I said the reason why we didn't go to the playoffs in 2019 was because of James Winston, two or one, but two. I said, if we can get Tom Brady, I'm fine with getting rid of James Winston. Yeah, and it that, worked out that way. That's what I did. I did not think it was going to happen, but yeah, me neither. But you know, the argument. I mean, but Tom Tom I, I made it to Super Bowl with James's team. Let's put that out there. I mean, all these guys, most of them, you know, the defense largely mm-hmm. stayed intact. We upgraded marginally right. in the off season in 2020. I mean, we brought in Lenny, Leonard Fournette and uh, Antonio Brown and Gronk. So those three pieces. And then, of course, upgraded at right tackle with Tristan Wirfs. But by and large, this was the same team that Jameis played on mm-hmm. in 2019. Right. Same system, same everything. Jameis went 7-9. Tom Brady went 11-5 and won a Super Bowl. Um, but I do want to look at the stats of the two quarterbacks to kind of see how Tom stacked up with Jameis. So, <laughs> I know. Do we really? Does this matter? I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a good indication of where where Tom is. I don't know. Um, he, Jameis, of course, threw for 5,109 yards. Tom Brady was about 500 yards short of that with 4,633. 4, really? Yes. Hmm. So your prediction was what? That he was going to get above 4,000 yards? Yes. I said he was definitely going to throw for over 4,000 and yeah. possibly break Jameis Winston's yeah. record. He'll do that next year. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, he will. 
Um, Jameis had 380 attempts or completions of 626 attempts. So his completion percentage was like 60.7%. Tom's attempts or completions, he had 401 to 610 attempts. So Tom Brady did have as many passes just about as Jameis, about 16 short. But his completion percentage was 65.7%. So better. Jameis had 33 touchdowns. Tom Brady had 40. And you have to wonder how did the 30 intercept, you know, if Jameis hadn't thrown the 30 interceptions, how many of those would have been added to his tally? You know, how many times did we get intercepted in the red zone? Mm -hmm. Uh, Jameis threw 30 interceptions. Tom Brady threw 12. Big difference. Huge difference. That's 18. 18 interceptions. Jameis threw more than double. Good Lord. And, you know, I felt like Tom. That's an interception a game. Over an interception a game. Yes. Wow. I thought that Tom had thrown a lot in the beginning and then kind of because you know early in the season we were like oh he's on pace to Mm -hmm. match Jameis no he threw four interceptions in the first eight games really and three of them were the first two games okay maybe that's what maybe that's where we were saying it yeah yeah. (laughs) week two we're like oh uh and then he threw eight in the last eight games which is just outrageous to me like I never thought he threw that many late in the season it didn't feel that way Hmm. at the time but he did yeah so that that ties him with his with the most tom brady's ever thrown right wasn't he at 12 interceptions or 14 14, i think it was 14 we do this every time i know but you know this doesn't this is regular season doesn't include the playoffs so he you know he had three just in the green bay game yeah now, I did think that Tom Brady was going to beat his record of interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought he was going to throw more interceptions this year than he ever has, but not by a whole lot. Yeah. So, there was that. Was that? Um, he had Jameis had 71 a 71-yard 71 long. That was his longest pass in 2019. Tom Brady's was 50. So it's a 21-yard difference there. Right. It well and we don't know is that air yards? I think we talked about this. I don't know. Yeah, see, we're not sure if that's air yards or if it's um, runs after the catch, yards after the catch. Okay, so the deep ball statistic, I've been grumbling to Ralph about this all week because uh, I hate stat heads and not the website, just people who love stats in particular and gather the stats because they make it impossible to find anything. And so I was trying to find deep ball statistics so I could compare Jameis's to Tom Brady's and see where they were. And you cannot find that statistic anywhere unless you want to pay Chris Collinsworth and pro football focus <laughs> like $30. And I'm not doing that. Um, so I did find in 2019 the Buccaneers team as a whole – had 75 20 plus yard plays and i think that's passing so we had 75 so this might not be when J- the, it could have been someone else besides Jameis throwing the ball i don't know or runs or well no i think it was just passes you think i, I think exactly 
this this is why statistics are so infuriating sometimes. But in 2020, Tom Brady had 67. So Jameis did. Same. Yeah, I mean, well, and Tom Brady had less attempts by 16. So there's that. Um, early in the season, remember all those memes about Tom Brady regretting his decision and. You know, there was still the argument that maybe it was Bill Belichick and not Tom Brady. So I did like it this season. That was one of the things I will always remember about the season was everybody, you know, harping on Tom Brady at the beginning of the season and making it seem like he had made a mistake coming to the Buccaneers. And then we go and win the Super Bowl sit in your face. You're all wrong. <laughs> and the team, it seemed like all the players kept the receipts for that they they, did. they were uh, definitely rubbing it in people's faces afterwards and tom did tom's social media team made that video and it was like media members too so i'm curious if the rest of the team took this from tom's playbook or if tom took it from the rest of the team's playbook because uh, i think he's been doing this for a while probably right and, you know, that might have been one of the pieces of advice of sage wisdom that he bestowed upon these young guys in the locker room. Just remember all your haters. And then when you're on top, you can mm. laugh at them, rub it in their faces. Yeah. Best revenge is a well-lived life. Success is always the best revenge. How about that? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So that's all I have, Ralph. That's about it. You got anything to contribute? Yeah, I got a whole bunch of news, but uh, we're already at an hour. Well, let's go through the news because we skipped it last time. And I still have news from last time. Okay, well, real quick, let's see. Uh, the Panthers quarterback Teddy Bridgewater unfollowed his team, the Carolina Panthers, on social media. What? Yeah, so Ooh. he might be gone. Why would he? Didn't he just sign like a five-year deal? Gosh. I don't know. You're the one that did the know your enemy. Well, we'll do that later. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Joe Buck is pissed at the media for he did an interview on the podcast where he talked about uh, he has a, a beer in the booth with him. Mm -hmm. And in the podcast, he was talking about how it reminds him not to take the stuff so serious. Blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, the media basically blew that up and he's drinking in the booth. Oh, shut up. Go talk yeah. to Terry Bradshaw, you squares. <laughs> like, get out of here. Or Joe Namath. <laughs> right? Come on. This is one of my favorite football sideline clips of Joe Namath. God. Drunk as a skunk hitting on, uh, what, I don't know, so one of the reporters, sideline reporters. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, I, I like it when the media fights each other. That, you know, I think Joe Buck is a mouth breather, same as anybody else. But seriously, people, can we not fight? Can you can you harp on him for his shitty opinions instead of you know the dude has a beer <laughs> watching a football game? Good grief! Uh, haven't heard anything more about Vincent Jackson's passing away causes or anything of that nature, but we'll keep you updated on that when we find out more information. Uh, I'm not even sure. I haven't heard anything about a service or nothing. So mm. yeah. Maybe it's they, just between family. They sent the his uh, brain to Boston University, which if you've listened to our CTE podcast, it's exactly the worst place you want to send for any unbiased science. 
Uh, Jordan Whitehead, he underwent surgery on the 19th. Came out fine on that. I think it was his knee. Was his knee or shoulder? No, shoulder. the shoulder. That's right, shoulder. It was JPP had surgery on his knee yesterday. Yeah. And he's fine from that. Uh, Tom Brady was having work on his knee done. Mm-hmm. BA said he'd probably be ready to go around June. Um, if, you know, if that early, which probably that early mm-hmm. with him. And um, Rojo had the pins removed from his finger. So all the guys are getting all their work done. <laughs> Yes. That they put off. And JPP with his knee said that he's been playing at 70% all season. And so he's getting the knee done. So he'll be 100%. Which I would love to see him at 100% if this is him playing yeah. at 70. <laughs> right. I know. I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of percentage to <laughs> bump up there. Uh, Rick Stroud wrote an article. He tweeted out. No, he wrote it in an article. He said, a year ago at this time, did anybody really believe Brady would leave the Patriots after 20 seasons for the Bucks?" Did anyone predict he would pass for 4,633 yards, 40 mm-hmm. touchdowns with 12 interceptions in his first year in Arians' no-risk-it-no-biscuit offense? Yes. Yes, I did. There's the, the simple answer to that. I guess the first part of that, did we predict that he would leave New England for the Bucs? No. But the other part, yes. Yes, we did. Rick, you should listen to our podcast. You might learn something. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. Um, Drew Brees renegotiated his contract to drop his base salary in 2021 to the minimum. So this allows them to carry him on the roster past June 1st and reduce his cap hit, presuming he retires. So, it, wait, was he going to be dead money to them? Is yeah, I think okay. so. So yeah. it's, it's still, there's, that doesn't really give us any indication one way or the other whether he's going to stay or it does retire. not no okay. um oh this one's a little bit old but there wasn't an update last time i looked the saints are facing more discipline as the nfl discovered more covid protocol violations including surveillance video of an interaction that could have contributed to alvin Kamara's positive test in december what so they were previously can't help but cheat, can they? Mm-mm. They were previously fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and Sean Payton was fined a hundred thousand dollars for not wearing face coverings in week two. And then they were also fined week nine. Fi- the team was for five hundred thousand dollars for their uh, locker room celebration after they beat the Bucks. So now they're facing more discipline for Alvin Kamara's shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Shenanigans. Uh, Deion Sanders, <clears throat> this doesn't have anything to do with the Bucks. I just found it very interesting. Deion Sanders, you know, he's coaching a uh, high school football team now. I think it's high, high school. Is it college? I thought it was college. Uh, yeah, I think it's high school. high school. Okay. Uh, anyhow, he, on his first their first game, he came back to the locker room and his belongings were stolen. Uh, and he was pissed. He says, how do you think it feels coming back teary-eyed? The guy just presented me with the game ball, one of the most best moments that I've ever had in my career. And you notice... <laughs> this is hilarious. And you notice that, oh, your stuff's been stolen. Uh, then he goes on. This is... He said his wallet was stolen as well as his cell phone. 
This was in a post-game news press conference. He said, we're going to find out who did it <laughs> as he slams his hand down on the table. Wait, okay. How many high schools have post-game news press conferences? <laughs> Are you sure it's a high school? That says college to yeah. me. He says, uh, you know, you have this best moment in your career getting the uh, game ball from your students. And you notice you don't have a phone to call your mama, your girl, your kids because it's been stolen. So, you know, he was pissed. Update a couple hours later, all of Deion Sanders' stuff has been found in his office. Nothing stolen. <laughs> Did he so, just forget where he put he it? He forgot where he put it. <laughs> so it became a national story. And I've done that a million times, you know, like with car keys or whatever. You, you like get mad that you're like, oh, put them right here and then. They're in your jacket pocket or something. Or did somebody really take them and then just quietly snuck them back in his office? No, nah, he left them. Are his... you sure? Why would somebody steal his stuff? Who knows? <laughs> Who's going to steal the coach's stuff? Maybe yeah. as a prank, but. Maybe. I don't know, man. If you're going to do it as a prank, you don't just sneak it back in the office. The Saints also released uh, Nick Easton, their center. To clear up some cap space, it cleared $5.875 million in cap and $6.5 million in cash off the books in 2021. So there's that. And then the Panthers released defensive tackle Kawan Short. Hmm. So He's the, he mean, was the only leftover. From that's what I was about to say. I mean, defense. their whole defensive front was rookies, right, besides him? Mm-hmm. And now they've gotten rid of him. So see you later. Have fun with that rebuild, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hope it lasts a long, long time. <laughs> 27 years. <laughs> Antoine Winfield Jr. got an awesome tattoo. If you go to his Instagram yeah. account, it's the Super Bowl trophy with the Buccaneers logo on it. And it looks like some uh, Jesus hands praying. And then it says LV at the bottom. It's really cool. Reminds me of when... Uh, Quan Alexander got the huge Buccaneers logo on his back. But, you know, this is a little bit different. It goes, yeah. You know, it's a Super Bowl. So. Yeah. But it's cool. He's got the Buccaneers logo on the trophy itself. So that's pretty cool. Speaking of Antoine, he got fined by the NFL for the peace sign that he did to Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. which was just annoying. Somebody pointed out how many times did Tyreek Hill get fined for doing it during the season? Twice. Oh, he did? Yeah. Not this season. Uh, 2018. No, and okay. Well, this season, how many times did Tyreek Hill get he, fined for taunting? Yeah, he's been fined in the double, uh, the, what, six figures? Not six figures. Yeah. Five figures. So, okay. So it's like 7000 for the first fine and 14000 for the second or something like this. So okay. He's been fined at least twice that I know of. Fair, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Um, but so there was a... GoFundMe started, which you and I had actually talked about to pay did this fine. Did they do it? Yeah, somebody did. Uh, but Antoine paid the fine, and then he donated the same amount to a to support the Buccaneers Youth Leadership Program mm. at Tampa's Young Middle School. And then the Bucks Foundation is providing 15000 to the school. And so Antoine asked that any fans who wanted to contribute to his fine payment just send the money to that school. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So he turned it into a good thing, which I thought was awesome. 
There's a weird story about Andy Reid's face shield and hat are in the uh, Football Hall of Fame now. Ew. And I don't really know why. They don't really explain why. He lost. I know. Why didn't they take BAs? Take a winning coach. How about that? It's because of... From what I can understand, it, it happened after the Chiefs beat the Panthers 33-31 November 8th. Uh, but the, the mask and stuff just got there. Uh, it was the 230th of Reed's career, which puts him in fifth place in NFL history or something. I'm just like. As a head coach? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's okay. impressive. But you know what else is impressive? Tom Brady. You know, you hear about uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and all those with their career win stats mm-hmm. and all that. And they're all like kind of close together and stuff. No, they're not. Tom Brady. It's not close. No. If you include postseason, Tom Brady has 264 uh, career wins by a starting quarterback. Second most is Peyton Manning at 200. It's not even close. 264 to 200. Uh, Drew Brees has 181. Yeah, when you throw in postseason, Drew Brees, or uh, Peyton, our quarterback. Who's our quarterback, Ralph? <laughs> Say guy. his name. Say his name. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady just blows them all out of the water. I mean, 260. You, Andy Reid's got 253 wins as a head coach, and he's been coaching since, what, the 80s? Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, uh, um, this was big news a couple weeks ago, but I just want to say the Bucks are not getting, nor should they get J.J. Watt after he was released from the Texans. Yeah, he's looking for like $15 million. Like, stop. Yeah, stop, no, everyone. Stop no, it. Uh-uh. We don't need... He's too injury prone. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, I mean, he's Come great on. when he's in, but... We got guys that show up even through injury. So right, well, no Donald Kong Su has never missed a game in his whole career due to injury. That's incredible. How is that even possible? I, I just don't. That's crazy. Yeah, it's not like he's out there playing on a pillow. <laughs> I mean, he's out there taking on double teams and fighting with guys. You know, come on, come on. The uh, Super Bowl films or a Super Bowl film is coming out March twenty third depicting the Buccaneers as the winners. So it's going to be a DVD. Uh, I don't know if you can download it, but we'll find out on the 20th. We should buy it, but we don't even have a DVD player. I know. I know. My first thought was, where can I download this? <laughs> buy a DVD. I know, but it'd be nice to, for your box. My box? Your Buccaneers box. <laughs> Actually, it's three boxes, guys. We're going to go through it one it's day. We're going to do a video on it. Yeah, because I'm putting it all out eventually. We've only been here for, what, two years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, at all this stuff we got out already is just stuff that we have out usually. Not all my memorabilia. Yeah. Okay. That's about it. Uh, the Dombokong Su was told more. that he did okay. an interview with and said talked about it. Aaron Rodgers wanted to talk to him after the game against the Packers. And, and Dominic Sue said, look, it's my job to piss Aaron Rodgers off, you know, physically and mentally. That's what I've done my whole career. And so apparently Aaron Rodgers wanted to talk to him after the game. And Dominic Sue was like, 
I don't, would he expect me to go to his locker room and talk to him? He was like, everybody knows what I do after the game. I immediately get on the bike and I do my bicycling for recovery. And then I go and I take a ice tub. If Aaron Rodgers wanted to come talk to me, he should have done it. Basically. He was like, we'll talk one day, I'm sure. But it was funny. He was like, I don't know what he would expect me to do. Go to his locker room and talk to him? <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. That's funny, though, that he was like, yeah. I want to get in his head. Just saving it up for next year when we might see him again. Yeah, yeah. Get him all frazzled. Frazzled animal. We promoted coaching intern Thaddeus Lewis to offensive assistant to replace Antoine Randall L. I have no idea. I mean, we have so many coaches. I know. No and Thaddeus Lewis, a former player. Sounds like it. Yeah. And apparently he's So close. was Randall L. Oh, yeah. Oh, but apparently he's close to Antonio Brown. So people saw that as a sign that Antonio Brown's coming back. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, let me see. Okay. And we lost Greg Joseph, our kicker on the practice squad. We lost him to the Vikings. Who? Greg Joseph, our kicker, our backup kicker, oh, okay. practice squad kicker. Okay. We lost him. He's gone. Went to the Vikings. And then we signed 11 players to futures contracts. They were everybody on our practice squad through the Super Bowl. With the exception of Nick Leverett, we signed to a futures contract. But he was not on the Super Bowl roster. Because we had released him to when we signed Earl Wanford. So they... Futures contracts are signed in January and February, but take effect once the new league year begins in March. So I just want to go over real quick the um, schedule that we've oh man the schedule we've got coming up the key dates which are right around the corner. The franchise tag transition player designation period began on February twenty third two days ago, and the deadline for that is. Um, February 17th, I think. Hold on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yes. No, March 9th. I'm sorry, March 9th. So we will find out definitively in the next couple weeks who's getting tagged, if anybody is. March 1st is the deadline for college players to declare for the draft. So that one's coming up. Um... March 15th to 17th is the legal tampering period. And then March 17th begins the new league year. And at 4 o'clock, free agency begins. So in the next couple weeks, we are going to have one more of these year in reviews where we talk about the defense and special teams. That'll be up uh, this weekend or early next week. And then we are going to start talking about free agency who we sign, who we let go, and we'll do uh, the Know Your Enemy for our division opponents. So we got some good content coming up for you in the next few weeks. All right, there you go. Getting you prepared. Uh, I got a few more news things, but we've gone way over. So okay. <clears throat> I'll just save it for the next time. All righty. All right, guys. Well, uh, hopefully we're going to keep back on track, get a good schedule going here. I'm trying to talk Molly into uh, – Doing the podcast a little bit more often, but she's daily. He wants to do it daily. Yes, I want to do it daily. Uh, and she's just like, I don't know if I can. 
<laughs> it's a lot of work, guys. It doesn't seem like we put a lot of preparation into it. <laughs> but I promise we do. It takes a long time. So. Well, here, here's, here's what we'll do. You let us know, would you prefer to have a daily podcast? Let's say, say Monday through Friday. You know, an hour every day. 45 minutes. An hour? hour? Yeah, 45 minutes I an hour. I cannot do that. Yeah, you can. You run your mouth an hour a day about the Bucks. So let's just record it. That's what we started this podcast for now because we talk about the Bucks so much. Anyhow, if you if you would like that, let us know. If you think it's too much, if you're on Molly's side, let us know. <laughs> so. so we know who to block. Let's get in. All right, guys. Uh, let's keep up this good Buccaneers high, man. We won the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to win another one next year. Put your money on it. Until next time. Go Bucks.